Oh, so we're talking about Menuchat HaNefesh. Menuchat HaNefesh. It means inner calm. I'm okay. Inner calm, peace, well-being. Which we said really comes from a deeper place within yourself. All your issues and your problems and your struggles and your challenges and your memories and your wishes and your hopes and your dreams and your pain and your... That's all very much on the surface level of your psyche. Deeper within yourself, there's an island of calm which we've really associated with our neshama, our pure consciousness. And the pure consciousness is okay. Most people, we never get to experience that place because we fall into our psyche and that becomes our whole reality. We use the example of a movie. You watch a movie and you're so involved in the movie that you've forgotten that there's you watching the movie. You're just caught up. You're not having really your own thoughts anymore. You're not even thinking, I'm watching this movie or I'm enjoying this movie. When it's a really, really good one, there's no even, I'm enjoying the movie. It's just you're in it. So we've done that and we've fallen into our psyche and our world and the external world and the internal world. And we need to get calm. We need to find a calm space. So we've spoken about many different methods. One is being alone. And then we said that's a not useful one for most people because when you're not distracted, then you get in a turmoil rather than in a calm because your mind isn't being distracted. So we said you've got to learn to be alone. Practice being alone. And do things that make you feel calm when you are alone. And when at first we said you can do things like shoot some hoops, do just jogging, do something. But then we said maybe we should let go of those distractions and calm our senses. Lavender oil, nice music, things like that. And then we said we can use your imagination. You can imagine a time when you felt very calm. And then we said you can use your body, your physiology sit and breathe like a calm person would sit and breathe. Pretend to be calm and that will help you become more calm. So these are all different techniques we're trying to do to come to a place of calm. But then we said we don't want these things to be medicine, i.e. you're, you're living a stressful, anxious life and then you, you're like, <gasps> come up for some air and then you go back down. We don't want that. We want, your whole, we want to bring this into your life. You want to be living a lifestyle of Manuchat Nefesh. But remember, be very careful, that doesn't mean you're just like floating around, chilled out. You can have a very strong and passionate life of vitality and achieving many things and running organizations and doing amazing things, but it's still coming from a place of calmness, of I'm not getting caught up in the issues, I'm not, I'm not over-analyzing things, I'm not judging myself and judging other people. I'm just playing the game. I'm, I'm playing the game. Just playing the game. I'm surfing the waves. So we said some types of meditation are get out of the waves, which we also need to do. But a higher level actually is surf the waves, be in the game, but not drowning. Most people are drowning in life, have to come up for air. We don't want to be those. We want to be the surfers. We want to surf life. Not surf the net. We want to surf life. So today we're going to speak about a fundamental 
fundamental deep consciousness tool and level and this is really how we can start tapping into a consistent state of calmness and higher consciousness and that's called habata habata is from the word lahabit lahabit means to look to look habata so what it really means is to observe to observe to watch to watch we're going to start watching just observing without judging and comparing and analyzing and cross just observe so for example just to observe the world around us without judging it it's a very hard thing to do by the way because you know we see that we immediately jump to a judgment i don't like that or i do like that or it immediately brings up a memory. I remember when that happened to me and I didn't like that. Or I remember when that did happen to me and I did like that. Or it brings up a jealousy. I wish that I could be doing that. I would. So usually the external stimulus that goes on around us brings up a feeling of either a good one or a bad one, judging, doubting, wishing, hoping, jealous, all that. What we need to do is just start, observe, just that happened. Just watch it happening. Just be very curious. Is that okay? That happened now. Yeah. When you went for uh, what's in the mindset um, that you should have, like, uh, like, should you judge it or? No. When you're learning Gomorrah, you should be comparing and judging and working out and fighting and arguing, and it should bother exactly the opposite of this. It should bother you. If you're learning Gomorrah and it doesn't bother you, you're not learning it properly. You should. And I just spoke to someone. This is a completely different class, but it's very important. If you come across something in the Gomorrah and you're like, that doesn't make sense. You can either say, uh, resent Gomorrah and resent, say, I hate Gomorrah, no point learning Gomorrah. Or you can say, that doesn't make sense. So what are they really saying? Because if it doesn't make sense to you, it means you didn't understand it. Unless you want to say Rabbi Akiva doesn't make sense and you do make sense. If the Gomorrah doesn't make sense, there's not a problem with the Gomorrah. There's a problem with you don't get what the Gomorrah is saying. So you've got to fight that. So that's opposite of what we're doing, basically. I was running this trip to Thailand, and it was for Jews, secular Jews, and religious Jews, everyone together, meditation, and, and orphanages, and elephants, and I was learning some Mishnayat in a bus between wherever we were going. And there was a secular American girl sitting next to me, and I was learning this Mishnah, and I was like, I just don't understand what this is saying. And she goes, go on, Rabbi, try me. So I read it to her, and she was like, that's so obvious. That's so obvious. And I said, I know. That's why I don't get what it's saying. There's no way they don't write a mission that's obvious. If it's so obvious, it means I haven't seen what it's. I didn't get it. And she didn't get at all what I was talking about. <laughs> so that's a com completely different avoda. <laughs> yeah. So habata. We've got to stop. I wonder why we do this, by the way. Why are we putting layers of judge? Don't sit there because someone's going to open the door. It's going to bash you. Um, why do we put layers of judgment and stuff on the world all the time? Why are we doing that all the time? It says that when you're in the womb, you learn the whole of the Torah. And then when you come out, what happens? You forget about it. You get smacked and then you forget it. Where do you get smacked? 
on your lip. That doesn't make sense. Smack him on the head. Who forgot anything by smacking on the lip? Smack him on the head. So this is what I think. It means that once you start labeling the world, you're not having a direct experience of the world anymore. That's a tree. I like it. This it. So you forgot. You forgot. You, we've lost direct experience of anything. You can't just look at a tree. You can't just look at a sunset. When you look at a sunset, you're comparing it to yesterday's sunset, or you're thinking, "I wish she was sitting with me while I was watching the sunset." Or, "Oh, how amazing!" Oh, isn't it amazing? The sun doesn't set. You know, the world goes backwards. I do often think about that. When you're watching the sunset, you think you're sitting still and the sun's going down. That's not what's happening. You're revolving backwards away from the sun. That's cool. But it means you're not just watching the sunset. You've been up, well, that, which is cool, by the way. You can do that as well. But we're just labeling it every old time. I read the book the other day and it was like, you know when it's really cold outside? And then you're like, oh, I'm so cold. Why did you do that? You know, you, you know you're cold. <laughs> Why are you commenting on everything all the time? And usually the commenting isn't nice. You're, you're always like, it's not good. Usually the commenting in your head is going not good. So just try and have direct experience of something. Because that's what Hanukkah is, when you look at the candles at Hanukkah. Just try and directly experience something. So what you can try and do, it's amazing and I've been doing this a lot since I learned about this, try and look at something for the first time, as if it's the first time you've ever seen it. And it's not easy to do because you get, you don't even see things, like that picture, I've been doing it with that picture. You see it every day, but look at it now, though, right now, for the first time. Try and see something in it that you've never seen before. You'll see something. Like, oh wow! Is it? You just got so used to it. It's not. It's just you. In fact, you're so used to it, you don't even comment it on it anymore in your head. You don't. So imagine looking at. I've been looking at the bricks, the Jerusalem stone in Jerusalem. So I just would start. I, I might. I must look like a psycho. I like, <laughs> I'm just stopping. I'm just looking at the wall. I'm like, whoa. That. And you just see the sh- the bumps and the shapes, and suddenly the world comes so alive. Rather than like that stone, well, it's basically they're all the same. The Jerusalem stones. So to have a direct experience of reality. By the way, once you can start looking at pictures and stones as if it's the first time you've seen them, you can start looking at your wife like it's the first time you've seen her. Which would be for you guys, but. And then for me, imagine I go home tonight and it's not, okay, it's my wife again, hi, how are you, honey, how was your day? If I can look at, in her face and see her new, very powerful, see my kids new, and then how about this, see yourself new. Look in the mirror, although you shouldn't look in the mirror too much, by the way. But look in the mirror today, one time, and just see yourself new. Like you've never seen yourself, and you'll see different things about yourself. It's like, well, amazing. In fact, this is great. Elo, Rosh Hashanah, you should see yourself new. You should recreate yourself. Most of us are just living on autopilot. You, you're the same person you were yesterday with a bit more anxiety, basically. <laughs> you just woke up as the same person again. Wake up, you can wake up a completely new person. Just be a new person. Today, recreate yourself now, be new. But you could practice with pencils and things first. And then you can practice with yourself. Just start, start seeing the world. Now, what you have to do is, it's got to be full of curiosity and adventure. It's got to be fun. By the way, I've been trying to tell this to everyone for a long time. Your whole journey has to be one of curiosity, adventure and joy. That's what you have to do. 
So people come to the yeshiva and they start getting a bit, there's a bit of pressure. Well, no, but, you know, if there really is a God, then I need to be doing this. And if there's not a God and life after death and his and her, and like, those are good questions, but why are you freaking out? Just work it out. No, but um, my childhood and my Jewish thing and this, and like, okay, I get, I get that. That's okay, but how is freaking out helping you? I don't, what, what's the point of freaking out? Yeah. Yeah, so you want curiosity, joy, what else? Curiosity, joy, adventure. C J A. J A C. If you can think of one of with O and B, it would be Jacob. Joy, adventure, curiosity, open, open-mindedness, and brilliance. Jacob. That's what Americans like to do. They just get try to find a little thing and they put all the words in. Yeah. You have to be very, very conscious to do that. By the way, that's for all of your avoda. You're going to put on tefillin every single day for the rest of your life, apart from Shabbos Yom Tov. So how are you going to be? How's that going to be new? You know, I do it every day, so I just do it. Firstly, if you value it enough, then it will be new. You know how many times I tell my daughter how much I love her every day, and what I get bored of it. I don't get bored of it because when you value, when you love something, then you love them, and you tell it every day. It's new every day. I love my daughter every new every day. So when you understand what tefillin is, but it takes conscious work. It does, because if you're like, I had a cousin, she's actually from now, Rosh Hashem. I pray much to her. I had a cousin, and she, I had a cousin, she grew up very traditional, so she used to light Shabbos candles and whatever, went out clubbing afterwards, whatever. So one day she called me and she was like, I'm going to India for three months. You know, tell me about it and what should I do? And I said, why are you going? And she goes, well, I want to go to an ashram. I want to learn to meditate. I'm going to ashram. And I'm going to do some meditation and stuff, something spiritual, you know, Eastern spiritual traditions. And I said, amazing. You know what you're going to do? One of the main practices in ashrams is something called trataka. Trataka is looking. You look at a candle. You put a candle and you just stare at the candle. Now, the point is, you're not meant, is exactly what I'm talking about now, by the way. Don't judge the candle, I like the candle, or don't even say that's yellow and there's blue in it, and there's a, just try and completely see the candle with no thoughts around the candle. It's very difficult to do with this, by the way, but it's a type of meditation. All meditation, most, many meditations, passive meditations, is you focus on one thing so much and exclude everything else. So it could be your breath. I'm focusing on my breath so intently that I'm not thinking about my emails and my stuff anymore. I'm just so focused on my breath. By the way, this is the tricky thing. You have to be so focused on your breath, but very relaxed about it. It can't be like... <laughs> it can't be very relaxed. I'm just focusing on my breath. I'm in my breath. So once you're... Fo- you know this as well, by the way, in your life. You have sometimes been so focused on something that you're not thinking about it. I don't know if you've ever got there yet, but you can learn Gomorrah, and it's three hours later, and you're like, what happened? Because you're so in the world. It doesn't often happen. It's happened to me a few times. Like, Where did... But you've done some things where you're like, oh, you're doing your Rubik's Cube or your, your something. When you're so involved in something and you're laser focused on one thing, then you don't have to control your mind running around because you've got all your attention on one thing. That's a very important meditation technique. So you're going to focus on this candle, wipe out all other thoughts and just experience the candle. By the way, there's a higher level, the Rambam speaks about this, where you realize that the candle 
and the experiencer and the act of experiencing is all actually one thing because you're not seeing the candle outside. The image of the candle went through your retina and it's in your brain. So then you realize it's a very, whatever. So I, I said to her, she goes, wow, that sounds so amazing. I'm gonna, and I said, yeah, yeah, you know you like Shabbos candles? And she goes, yeah, I always like Shabbos candles. I said, do you like Shabbos candles like this? Light them and walk away. And she goes, basically. I said, I got a crazy idea. This is a crazy idea. Light your Shabbos candle, say a black bracha, and then sit down and look at your Shabbos candle. You don't need to go to an ashram in India. In fact, the mitzvah of lighting Hanukkah candles is to look at the candles for half an hour. That's the mitzvah. Just look at them. That's all you have to do. So, in our avoda, you're right. It can become, you could be doing it by rote, but you have to stop. Stop every time. Before you put on your tefillin, how do you put on your tefillin? Who was in my class yesterday about how to put on tefillin? <laughs> the golf ball? No, you were there? Yeah. So if you put it, when you put it on your tefillin, if you're just like, okay, Barakat Hashem, and you're just doing it because you did, this is exactly the point I'm making. If you're putting on tefillin today because you put them on yesterday, then it's got to be new. You're a new person today. Every Friday night we sing a song. Shiru Lashem Shir Hadash. Whatever. That's not a new song. David Melech wrote it like 3,000 years ago. We talking, and we sang it last week. And we were, it's the least new song I've ever sang. But no, it's saying no. You have to be new. You have to be new. That's the whole purpose. Try and see things new. Fresh eyes. I've never seen that again. Where do we learn this from, by the way? This is my favorite Torah ever, the Baal Shem Torah. The first thing that God said to Moses. What's the very first thing that the divine, conscious creator of the universe said to the greatest prophet and savior of the Jewish people? The very first thing. What does that mean? Take off your shoes from on your feet. Yeah, Mush is an idiot. He doesn't know where his shoes are. Why didn't Hashem just say, Shana Alecha? Take off your shoes. Mush knows where his shoes are. Shana Alecha me Araglecha. Take off your shoes. Hey, when I get home, when we get home and my Binyamin's shoes are dirty from playing football in the park, I don't say, Hey, Binyamin, take off your shoes from on your feet. <laughs> I just say, Take your shoes off, Binyamin. Take your shoes off. So the Baal Shem Tov says, obviously no word in the Torah is wasted. Shal na'alecha, the word for shoe is na'al. It's related to the word to lock, ni'il, to lock something. Why? Because you're locking your feet in. Raglecha means your feet or your legs. It's related to the word lehit ragel. Regel is lehit ragel, which means to become accustomed, to be, be, do something by habit. In English we say regular. You do it regularly, regel. So, Hashem is saying to Moshe, you want to have an authentic relationship with me? Unlock your habits. Unlock your habits. Stop doing it because it's habit. Your habits are the worst things. By the way, not your bad habits. Your bad habits, just stop doing them. Just stop it now. You're, you're grown. You're not a baby. No, but just stop it. Just don't do it anymore. Just, you have some self-control. 
It's your good things you do habitually, that's the problem. Okay, but I love you. I say I love you to my wife. The best way to connect to my wife, I love you. But if I'm just saying it, okay, I love you, bye. I, I did the right thing, I ticked the box, and messed up the relationship, I didn't get the relationship. So that, if you really yearn for the relationship enough, you're going to stop every day before you put on your tefillin and try and put them on for the first time. I've forgotten who it was, which Rebbe, but when he died, someone said he said the Shema as if it was the first time he'd ever said it. In like freshness and excitement. I never used to go there. People were like, <gasps> he swam like he's never swum before. I'm like, oh, so he didn't swim very well then. <laughs> it's probably like you never swam before. <laughs> English language, very funny. As we've taught English for a long time, it's doesn't, English doesn't make sense. When do you say, I'm sure? When do you say, I'm sure? You only say, I'm sure, when you're not sure. I'm sure I saw him yesterday. I'm sure I saw him. Well, no, if, if you saw him, you just say, I saw him yesterday. So when you're saying, I'm sure I saw him yesterday, it means you're not sure. I'm sure you'll be okay. <laughs> Crazy language. Anyway, so we've got to start observing, just seeing, just be new. Just be new, again. And by the way, you're not going to be able to do that automatically. Automatically, you're going to judge, compare, and, and it's going to be the same. But when you do that, stop and even shake off and try and look again. Close your eyes, open them, and look. New. And you would see a new thing. I bet you, you could see a new thing in that picture every day for 45 days. Let's play that game. Everyone, I want you to come in the room, 45 days, and look at it, see it, and you'll see something new, I'm pretty sure. So you could see something new in your wife, and your children, and your friends, and your Gomorrah. When you're learning the Gomorrah, close your eyes for a minute, and then open it again. You'll be like, no, it's still the same. <laughs> still the same. So that's, that's the first thing, non-judgmental, pure, direct experience. And that creates a lot of peace, because it's the judging and the comparing and the not wanting and the do one, that's what's messing up your peace, it's very calm. Everything's actually basically okay until, obviously if you see someone beating up an old lady, that's, you know, just observe it. <laughs> I'm not going to judge it, no, get in there and, and stop the fight, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying big, but, no, like, but just to not react. What we do in general in life is we react. Something happens and we react to it. And that's not healthy. You need to have a gap of be, being proactive, not reactive. Not, basically what happens is someone presses a button, someone says that thing and you get annoyed. Every time they say it, you get annoyed. You're, you're literally a robot. I know, and by the way, there are people, unfortunately, usually your family and close friends, know exactly where to poke you. Ah! Every time. Then you go, again, you're just going to get upset. So you've got to be ready for that and be like, no way this time. And then you, and then you just start dealing with life better. It's like, I'm not going to be controlled by the external world anymore. I'm going to choose how I feel. I'm going to choose what I think. I'm in control of what I choose and I think. But it means taking a step back. You've got to step back and start watching. Just, just is a higher having a higher perspective on life. Now there's an even higher perspective of this, which is the whole of the creation is just Hashem speaking to you. Everyone says I don't get prayer. To feel I'm speaking to Hashem the whole time, but Hashem never speaks to me. I never heard Hashem speak to me. Every single thing you hear, see, 
feel everything that is God speaking to you. The universe itself is God speaking to you. Everything. Every person you meet, every time you bang your knee, everything, everything is all God speaking to you. So if you can see the world like that, it's even a higher perspective rather than that he did that and it's not fair that that and why that. I told you about Binyamin and the chess. I've, I spoke to different groups, I don't know who I said what to. Yeah. Basically, my son Binyamin is playing chess and he, I definitely told you this. Anyway, just quickly, he's playing chess and often he says, Oh, Abba, I wish that piece wasn't there. I wish that piece wasn't there. Okay. That's nice. But it is. It's imagine, God forbid, God forbid that you lost a leg, or God forbid, and you just walk around the rest of your life saying, I wish I didn't lose my leg. Okay. That's nice, but <laughs> not helping you. You did. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do? Oh, the amazing story, Rav Noach. There was a guy who came into Rav Noach's office with one leg. And he, he seemed like the happiest guy ever. And Rav Noach, this is in 48 ways. If you can find that actual story, I'm picturing the story, I'm sure. But he, um, this guy, happy guy, Rav Noach said, tell me a story. He said, when I was 16, I was riding my bike. I fell off my bike and I got run over by a truck. I basically got rushed to the hospital and they, cut, they amputated my leg. My parents got to the hospital and they were freaking out and they were like, oh, my son is a terrible thing and whatever. And they, said, and, they were like, and they said to me, you, you know, you're going to have to get used to it. And, and I said to them, I'm already used to it. And they were like, what? And he goes, well, I have to be. There's no point not being. He said the second he got run over by the truck, he was, he was conscious enough to say to himself, this is my reality now. There's no point not being okay with it. My friend bought a new jacket, Armani jacket, something very expensive jacket, and his stepdad stood on it and broke it, something like it, broke the zip, whatever it was, broke it. And he said to his stepdad, it's okay. And his stepdad said to him, yeah, it has to be. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the best stepdad he could have felt his, but I get that. It's like, okay. By the way, if you feel upset by something, that's okay, you can feel upset and process it. But at some point, You've got to accept what is. Most of our suffering in life comes from not accepting the reality. I really wanted to hang my washing up to dry, but it's raining and... Uh, okay. So our suffering comes from the distance between what we want and what is the reality. Now, if you can change the reality, change it. That's very good. But if you can't, there's no point wishing and hoping and it was different. That's causing suffering. Rather, be real and say, that's the reality. Now, what am I going to do with the reality? Live with the reality. Change it if you can. If you can't, change yourself. Live with it. Alright, so that's the beginning of Habata. We're going to talk about it more tomorrow. And I'm not here tomorrow. That's terrible. I'm only here Sunday, Tuesday and Thursday now. With the seminary girls. They need to be brainwashed too, you know. Geshe girls. Yes, yeah, so, um, but we're going to carry on. So listen, this is what Habata is. Habata, the first level of Habata is just start to observe rather than being caught up in it and judging it and just observe it. Just notice it, acknowledge it. Don't, by the way, I'm not saying repress and ignore. I'm saying just, but just observe. Now there's different levels that we're going to talk about next time is you've also got to observe your own internal world like you observe the external. Today we were speaking about observing the external world. How about observing your thoughts rather than getting caught up in your thoughts? Mm. 
That's real habata. To say, okay, that's the thought. I don't have to beat myself up about this thought. I don't have to believe the thought. My daughter, when she was three, said, Abba, my Yed Sahara told me not to share my toys with Binyamin, but I didn't listen to it and I shared them anyway. That's amazing. My three-year-old daughter thought, and she said, I'm not going to go with that one. And she didn't. She did the opposite of it. Congratulations, you brainwashed I brainwashed my daughter. <laughs>